0: We thank you for the awesome opportunity that we have just to receive your word tonight. And we pray, God, that your word would just, man, hit us right where we need it today. That you would lift our spirits, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would bless us in every way. We'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, say amen in the house. Fantastic. Tonight, I want to talk about grass. Roots. When you mention the thought grassroots, you think about something being stripped back. Because so many times in life we can get ahead of ourselves. We can forget where we came from. We can forget our reason, our mission, our purpose, we can forget our vision. And tonight I just really feel, felt led to share again the vision of our church. Life, love, and purpose. Say that with me. Life, love, purpose. And I love the vision that God has given us as a church. And you better be careful because get me talking about vision. We could be in for a long night. I may not shut up and and you you may just have to leave and go home and come back Sunday and I may still be here in my blue shirt preaching. Why? Because I absolutely love vision. Why? Because vision excites me for this reason. It reminds me of everything that God has in store for us. If I was to sit down with you and share all the vision that God has given me for this church, it would freak you out. How do I know that? Because it freaks me out. Because I think, man, how can we do that? In fact, where you're at today was one of those freak out moments that I had years ago. Because I was like, man, how can we have a a building? How can we do this? And how can we have ministries? And how can we have a bus? Because God gave me all of those things. How can we have what we see around us? Because God showed me all of those things as a young boy in England. Not even in America. But in England, God gave me that vision. And it freaked me out, but I've seen God move. And I've seen God break free. I've seen God provide. I've seen God bring. I've seen God do. And I'm excited because I know that this is still just the tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do. And what God is going to do. What a great statement D.L. Moody said. He said these words. He said, our greatest fear should not be of failure but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter i don't want to fail i don't want to fail i don't fail. maybe the greatest fear of our lives should be being successful in something that really doesn't count for anything it's like having a ladder up the wrong wall it's like being on the wrong building and climbing up it but yet god has another building another place another opportunity for you. And it reminds me of the story that Jesus told and he told parables. They were simple stories that had a heavenly meaning. It was something that he was using natural things around that people could grasp and could understand, but it was for a spiritual purpose. And one day Jesus tells the story about someone who leaves and he gives his servants, his workers, those Entrusted into his care. He gives them talents and he gives them gifts. And I'm just going to read one verse from Matthew 25, 15. It says, And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one, to each according to his own ability. And he immediately left and he went on a journey. Here's the story of talents. New Living Translation says it this way, he divided it proportionately to their abilities. And if we don't watch, that's all we hear. If we don't watch, that's all we see because we can look at that and say, man, they got five, I only got two. We can look and say, man, they got two, I only got one. We can look and we can say, hold on a second, he got five and I got one. I'm slanted in life. God, you cheated me. You robbed me. And that's what the world wants to make everything about, that I've got to have more than you. And, it, and it's this big push and squeeze and fight. And if I could just have more then I'm successful and I could, no, 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 no. No, that's not what it's about. Because remember this. It's not about the why, but it's about the what. Why didn't I get, no, 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 what do you have? You see, because when we say the why, we're always questioning and we're feeling robbed. But when we say what, that's me taking responsibility and saying, hold on a second, something has been given to me and what am I doing with it? You see, what you've got to understand is this, according to this story, and I know in life, we all have different levels of, of capacity. Some people can be a manager. Some people don't want to be a manager. Some people want to tell people what to do. Other people are happy with being told what to do because we have different levels of capacity. Some can handle pressure better than others. Some just fold on under the smallest amount of stress. Some can tolerate so many things. So many have great endurance. Let me give you an example. Kelly and I have six kids. That would kill some of you. And if that wouldn't kill you, you would probably kill your six kids or something like that. And you look and say, six kids? What? But you can say, one is manageable. Two is manageable. Now, here's the question I ask. Does that make you a bad parent? No. Of course it doesn't make you a bad parent. That's your capacity. That's the grace that God has given to you. But I really believe in this parable, there are actually two main points that we need to see. The first is this. Everyone has something to give. Everyone's been given something. But then here's the point we focus in on. What are we doing with that which we do have? We're so interested in what we don't have. It's unfair. They have more than me. Why, why, why? What, God, do you want me to do with that which I do have? Because everyone has got something to give. And I believe what God has given you, He didn't make a mistake. He didn't mistake you for someone else. He knew what He created you to be. Now, I don't think some of you are even close to perhaps the capacity that God wants to bring you to in your life. And we're going to be talking about that this month on Sunday. Come on, we're going to be talking about using the things of life as a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. Because the reality is this, a stepping stone and a stumbling block really are the same things, but it's what I choose to do with it that makes it different. And I can sit and cry about what I don't have, but then I can realize, hold on, God's given me something And I can do powerful things with it. I know what God's given me as a pastor. And what God has given me, one of the things that God has given me is this, a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility to be a pastor. As we go through a transition now as a church and what we're facing right now... I've got to lock into that. Come on, I can't just sit at home and twiddle my thumbs. I've got to be active in this. We've got things that we've got to do. There's a responsibility. Why? Because people are looking to their leader to see where are we going. And that's tonight why I want to talk about vision. Because here's the reality. Transitions and things can change around us. But where we're going never changes. The vision never changes. How we may do things may be changed. But what we're going to do... And the lives that we're going to impact and change never changes. A friend of mine, Jerry Hunt, a lot of you know Jerry from Bowling Green, Ohio. He's a phenomenal guy. If you don't know Jerry, you don't know Jerry. He's one of those people, if you know him, you know him. Jerry Hunt told me just about a week ago. He said, Philip, he said, you know one of the pictures of a pastor? He said, the picture of a pastor is this that he's the door of the sheep pen. That when the sheep come and he calls them, they run. But if he were to get out of the way, they would run into a small area and they would hurt and harm themselves, but more than that, in the day they've picked up briars, they've picked up thistles, they've picked up sticks and rocks and things they have been out and they got lodged in their wool, in their, I was going to say fur, but it's wool. So what the shepherd does is as he calls the sheep, he opens his legs and allows every sheep to come through his legs and he squeezes just really gently, just enough to slow them down and then what does he do? He takes his hands and he rubs it through the wall, removing anything and everything that will harm not only them, but will harm the other sheep that they're laying beside. Come on, I don't want to be laying by someone who's got a pricker. Come on. (laughs) I don't want to be laying by someone who's got problems that matter, messing with my sleep. Because the shepherd's responsibility is he wants to take care of his whole flock and make sure that everyone is taken care of and well. You see why? Because he's the door. As a pastor, God has called us to be the door. And it's a scriptural thing. You see it in John. Look, John chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. It says, Most assuredly I say unto Jesus, says, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but he climbs up on another way, that person is a thief and a robber. But he who enters, he who is the door, come on, that's the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd of the sheep. What do I know in life? Are you ready? There's always Deception. There's always distractions. There's always things that are trying to steal us away. To jump in and not come through the door. Come on, to take you from the sheep pen. To take you from that place where God has placed you. And as a pastor, our responsibility is to stand guard and say, Come on guys, be careful. We've got your back. We're taking care of you. And that we're watching you. And I'm telling you, I would be not a good pastor if I didn't warn us of the challenges and the struggles that the enemy still wants to throw our way. But you know what? As a pastor, my responsibility is to lead this church and to lead each one of you so that one day when we stand before Jesus, we'll hear these words, Well done. thou good And faithful servant. Come on, that's what I'm living for. I'm living for God's acclamation. I'm living for God's praise. I'm living for God to say that. Come on, I can live for man's praise and man's accolades and I can get everything. But I'm telling you, I want to live because that changes everything. Changes everything. Well done. And because I know that, and I know the call that God has placed upon me, I know this too, that when we act and do the right things, our lives will impact positively other people around us too. And I want to see everyone sleeping good at night. Come on, I want to see everyone growing and being blessed and fed. I want to see everyone fruitful in their life. Why? Because we have a vision. There's a power Of vision. Here's the power of vision. Are you ready? Simplified. The power of vision is this: together, anything becomes possible. I can do certain things on my own, but if you come with me, we can do a whole lot more. I can't maybe lift this, but with you, I can pick it up and we can move it. If we get more people, we could throw it. If we could get more people, man, it's gone. It's, It's no. See what happens. The power of vision: that together, anything becomes possible. One man had a vision of a mouse, and every one of us knows his name. Walt Disney had a vision of a mouse and changed the whole world. But you see, what you've got to realize is this. Vision without you remains a dream. I had a dream. God gave it to me as a vision. But it was a dream at first. But without you, without us together, it just be- stays a dream. But with you together, coming together, that dream now becomes a reality. We see it now. But this is not the end. It's a reality that we're living in. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Come on, this is the vision scripture where there is no revelation. The thought there is where there is no divine guidance, where God is not speaking in our lives and there's no vision for our lives. The Bible says the people will cast off restraint. I love what one translation says, they're going to run wild. Go crazy. People running everywhere. Man, we see that. People are crazy today. Things that people are doing and thinking it's okay. Because I feel like I should do that and I can do... I mean, people are crazy today. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're crazy. Come on. And hey, why is that? Because it takes one to know one, amen? I'm crazy too. I love the message Bible says. Look at the message Bible says. It says, if people cannot see what God is doing... If you can't see what God is doing, you're going to stumble all over yourselves. But when they attend... When they see, when they pay attention, when they're involved with what God reveals, guess what happens in their life? There's blessing. There's blessing that comes when we're attached to the house and to God. In other words, look at this statement. You can't just aim at anything. You've got to aim at the right thing. You've got to aim at the right thing and do the right thing. And you know what the right thing is for us? Life Love and purpose. That's it. That's, that's our thing that we're aiming for. If you want to know what our church is, in three words, life, love, purpose, that's it. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we want to do. Why? Because we want to see life start in people's life. And the only way that life can start is they've got to know Jesus. And I realize on Sunday we've got people who have never known Jesus before or have a misconception of Jesus and they come and they're seeing a different Jesus in this house. Thank God. Come on, they ain't seeing a mean, weird Jesus. They're seeing a Jesus that's relevant and loving and gracious and merciful and can change their life. And maybe you've been saved for 40 plus years. Praise God. You can know Jesus more. Because that's where life starts, through knowing Jesus. Without Jesus there is no life, there is no hope. thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Life starts with Jesus. And then healing happens through love. Love happens, love happens. Why does love happen? Because all of a sudden, because of the life that God gives me, I now find love. And now all of a sudden, experiencing true love, I can be love to other people. Wow, I never used to be like this. Man, I'm crying now. It's like the Grinch who stole Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I've got feelings now. I, I, I can't believe this. And guess what happens? There's a healing that's taken place inside of you. You're seeing relationships restored all around you. And guess what? You're finding your life that you're walking in a freedom that you never had before. Why? Because love happens. Because life starts. But then that's not the end. Because purpose is revealed twofold. First, you discover your purpose, your place. And then secondly, you take that purpose and you use it to make a difference. Through serving other people. And finding your purpose is so important. Because look at this statement. Two of the most important days in someone's life is the day they are born and the day they discover their purpose. What they were made for. The reason you were born. Because you see, our vision is this. We want people to know God. We want people to, what? Walk in freedom. If you can go, there you go. We want people to discover their purpose. And we want people to help us to make a difference. Come on, know God, walk in freedom, discover purpose. That means what? We want to see lost people saved. We want to see saved people pastored. We want to see pastored people trained. And we want to see trained people mobilized. We want to see God use us. Come on, are you ready for that? I know I am. Come on, I said, are you ready for that? Are you ready to see this vision go like never before and to be a part of life, love and purpose? Isaiah forty three nineteen, our theme scripture. God says, I'm about to do something new. God said, see, I've already begun. We're, we're already in it. But God says, this is not the end. I'm still doing something new. I'm pouring in new every day. If it's not new, come on, it's getting old. And God's not old. He's new. Amen. He wants to pour in. That's why the Bible says daily He wants to load us with His benefits. Why? Every day He wants to give you something new and something fresh. He don't want you to go to the fridge and get some stale milk. He wants it fresh every day. That it's fresh every day. Come on, that can ruin your day when you're ready for a bowl of cereal. And you go there and all of a sudden you pour it out and it's like cottage cheese on the top of your cereal. like, man, what's up with that? Cereal just doesn't taste the same with water either. Have you ever tried to eat cereal with water? It's not the same. That's called also skimmed milk, by the way. Water is skimmed milk, just saying. But God says, do you not see it? You see, we're talking about vision. Vision is something that we're not fully in yet, but we've got to see it. We've got to see it, we've got to own it, we've got to take it, we've got to possess it. God said to the children of Israel, you've got a land, it's yours. But he said, you're going to have to go and possess it. You've got to see it, you've got to take it, you've got to go for it. God says, I'm going to make some pathways through some wildernesses. God says, I'm going to create some rivers in some dry wasteland areas. Man, where did the time go? We are out of time already. That is ridiculous. Hey, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I keep going. I'm only on page four out of 29, so we're just going to keep going. Huh? I told you when we start talking about vision. But listen, here's the promise that I love. I love the fact that God reminds me over and over again that God says I'm doing something new. I, I, I love that because it means I've got to be alert, I've got to keep up, I've got to be engaged because I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss church. Man, I'm I'm afraid to miss church on Sunday. You say, well, you're the pastor. Yeah, I sure am. But even if I wasn't, I'd be afraid to miss because did we have church on Sunday or did we have church on Sunday? Now, what about the Sunday before? That was a pretty good one. I I think we've been having some pretty decent services and um, God's been moving and I'm afraid. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss my time with God every day because I'm afraid I'm going to miss some. I don't want to miss my time in the Word with God every day because I'm worried that I'm going to miss a word that He wants to speak, a rhema word inside of my, my life every day because God wants to do something new. God's not just doing it on a Sunday. He's new on a Monday and He's new on a Tuesday and He's new on a Wednesday and a Thursday and Friday. Come on now. He's even new on the 29th of February every four years. God's got it taken care of. Every day. And last summer as we transitioned our church, this verse became such a so, just alive to us. As we renamed our church and we said this is encounter. Why? Because we don't want it just to be a place where people come to. We want this place to be a place where people will come and experience the presence of God. Because that's what changes them. A personal encounter with God. Is there anyone here that in this house had a personal experience with God. Come on, let me see. Come on, you know. Your testimony of that. Trey lifted up his hand. It was right over here. I remember when Trey came and gave his heart to the Lord had no purpose in his life, no direction, was going to sign up to go in the armed forces because he thought that will maybe help me find direction. But God saved his life right here. And I'm so glad that Trey stood right here and he proposed to his wife who was right there. And where did he find her? In the house where he found the purpose of God. My God, I'm telling you right now, everything you need is in the house. Everything you need is in the house. Come on, say with me life life getting people to know god everyone is welcome here in their journey of knowing and discovering god how do we do that how do we create life-giving services here's what we do we create weekend worship experiences that both the unchurched people and believers will love to attend and that's what we want we don't want it christianese we don't want it so freaked out that people who are seeking god don't know what's going on in the house but yet we don't want it so secret and, and, and no one knows. So people are coming in and say, what's the deal, man? We want the power of God to move. We want the power of God to move. But we want people to want to stay in here so the power of God can move on their lives. And God can break through in their lives. And here's, here's why we do it. Quickly, just run through it. Here's why we do it. We do it this way because it's a biblical model. It's a biblical model. To do what we're doing and seeing us around us, Hebrews ten twenty five says, "And let us not neglect our meeting together." That's church. Don't neglect church. We're here, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Come on, we're in the last days. You better be in church. I said, you better be in church. Because it says you better not neglect, especially when we're in the last days. And that's right now. You need to be in the house and not just you, your kids need to be in the house too. Your youth, you should have your youth in the back. And your kids back there tonight. Here's number two. Because Jesus left us here to continue the mission. That's why we've got to give life to people. Because Jesus is in heaven now. But he said, now Brooke, you can take over from me. He said, now Renee and Reno, it's your responsibility to tell other people about Jesus. John 17, 18, Message Bible, in the same way that you gave me a mission, this is Jesus speaking to his Father God, in the same way that you gave me a mission to the world, he says, now I give them a mission in the world. You have a mission. And that's to bring life. Come on, you're not saved just to be saved, but you're saved to be a soul winner, to touch other people. Why else are we going to create a place where people can know God? Because heaven and hell are realities. Man, that needs to rock you to the core. Heaven and hell are realities. And as long as that's the case, the lost will always be our focus. That's the reason we have a vision. Yes, it involves every one of you, but it's for them. I said it's for them who still ain't in this church right now. Come on. I said it's for them. But it involves us. Because we've got to be reaching people. When I look at the church, the first thing I ask myself is this. Are people being saved each week? Because if people and lives are not being touched and changed, then is the gospel really being preached? But I'm telling you right now, we're not seeing enough souls saved in this house for this reason: we're not bringing enough, we're not spreading the word enough, we're not asking people to come enough, and we need to be engaged in that. Come on, I said we need to be engaged in that. Come on, if you've got to bring them, you've got to invite them, you've got to bribe them. If you need to kidnap them, then just do. Now I'm only joking. But get them in the house. I told a lady the other day, I said, Is your husband coming for Easter? She says, No, I tried everything. I said, Listen, here's the way you need to get him in the church. I said, Tell him that you ain't going to feed him anymore and that you ain't going to cook any more food till he comes to church. I'm still waiting for her husband to come. She's starving him out. She's starving him out. But come on, if life doesn't start, come on, people are lost and dead. So we've got to be relevant, authentic, enjoyable, welcoming, but have a powerful service. We've got to create an experience that people will talk about. Come on, say with me, life. Life, life, life. Love. Love happens. Love happens. Love happens in this house, and I'm sure glad of that. I've heard this many times, but still not enough times. I've heard so many people say, wow, I've never felt so much love. as what I felt when I stepped through the doors of that church. And every time I come, I feel that love. Here's the deal if other people are going to feel that love, you've got to be a love carrier. You've got to carry. You can't rely on someone else bringing the love to the house. You've got to be that love. Because love happens through you and me. Don't wait for the pastor. Come on, you bring the love. Because as we do, we're going to see people set free. And we're going to see people delivered and walk in freedom. look at the scripture really quickly. And I'm almost done. Exodus 6.6. 6. Therefore say to the people of Israel, What God is really saying to Moses, you've got to remind the children of Israel again about my promises. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm reminding you again of the promise that God has given us. The vision for this house. God says, I am the Lord and I will free you from your oppression. And I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. Notice two parts there. God says, I'm going to free you from your what? Oppression. And I'm going to rescue you from your slavery. Why did God have to say that for this reason? Because they were free from the oppression. God took them out of Egypt. But the problem was Egypt was still inside of them. Many of them had been born into slavery, so all they knew was slavery. All they knew in their life was the pain. All they knew in their life was the disappointment. All they knew in their life was you're going to be a failure. You're never going to be nothing else. Come on, God wants to save you and free you from your oppression. But I'm telling you right now, God also wants to rescue you. Come on. He wants to bring you out of that so you're not thinking and living bound any longer. But you're seeing yourself free. Come on, you've got to see yourself free. You've got to walk in that freedom. You've got to have a renewed mind. And first, through true love, that's Jesus. But then also we see that through doing life together. Come on, small groups is something so powerful. Look what I've said about small groups. Small groups is where people can experience community, settle their yesterdays, and take their next step in Christ and the freedom that God has for them. Come on, June the 4th, new semester's coming up. Already was talking to people already, saying, man, I'm missing my groups already, and they've just finished. Craig, where are you at? Going to miss you in the morning for breakfast. But come on, it's going to be good because we're going to be doing it again and we're going to be doing more groups. We had 16 people sign up for the small group leadership class on Sunday. Isn't that awesome? So we're looking forward in the next couple of semesters to get more groups added and all of that. And why? Why, why, why do we do that? Why, why do we do groups? Why do we love people? Because it's a biblical model. And here's why. You ready? Because people need to be known. You can come into church and know no one. People need to be known. People need healing. James five sixteen Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you may be healed because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I don't confess my faults to Craig because he's my savior. But I talk about things that I'm facing in my life and he talks about things. And you know what? Together we say, you too. You're facing that too. Because the enemy wants you to think you're on your own. Because when you're on your own, then you won't talk about it. Do you see that? You feel a fool. But when we confess and talk to those things, what's the promise we see in James? And then we pray for each other. That's bringing God into it. So when we open up to allow God to come in, what's the result? Healing comes every time. The fourth reason is this. People need to grow. Life, love, purpose. I've got to close. We must see people discover their purpose and then take that purpose to make a difference. Here's what I ask you as a pastor, and you've heard me say it. Give us four weeks of your life. Give us four weeks of our life, and I'll go to the next level And one year of your life. I'm telling you, you need to be in church for a year and watch what God would do in your life. But if you give us four weeks of your life and go through growth track, I really believe that can really change your life. We've heard so many people talk about week three of growth track, how they took that personality profile, and they were just blown away just to see Their callings and their giftings and what God had placed upon their life. But we don't want you just to discover your purpose because that's just part of it. We then want you to take that purpose and use it to serve the house. And that's why we call them a dream team. That's why we call it dream teams. For what reason? We want you to live your dream. Live the dream transitions, challenges they can be tough but what we've got to be reminded of today, the vision is still the same, there's lost souls and we're going to do everything that we can every day of every week to give people the life love and purpose that they need and today maybe you've got five talents in your hand, maybe you've got two maybe you've got one but guess what We've got eight. (laughs) We've got eight. Because when we come together, we don't have to say, well, you have more than me. Wow. Look what we can be together. And that's where the church needs to be. Quit fighting and quit looking at other people and wishing you had what they had. And realize, come on, together we have all those things. And together we are All those things. Would you bow your heads all over this place?